Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Hey, you got your Bibles with you. Let's open them up to Matthew 21. It's good to see you this morning. Good to have you in the house of the Lord. Good to be here. A couple other things real quickly. Next week is Easter and uh, we're going to be celebrating Resurrection Sunday. So I want to remind you about that. It'll be a good time to invite some friends, some family to come to church with you that week. And, uh, of course, it'll be on social media. So if you see it on social media, please share it. The more you share it, the more other people see it. It's important. And we do have these cards. They're on the tables out there, just if you want to give them to anybody about Easter next week. There's a lot of stuff going on for the kids. We're all going to really wish we were in the kids' classes next week because it's going to be really fun. If you don't see me next week, you know where I'm at because they're doing a lot of uh, Easter egg hunting. There's going to be the Easter bunny. There's going to be all sorts of candy and prizes and an Easter party with food and all sorts of stuff. So they're going to be hyped when they see you after church, to say the least. And then we're going to have all sorts of stuff afterwards and, and places where you can take pictures and, you know, do those family portraits you guys love to take on special events. So reminder about that. Next week is Easter. Share it on social media. Give a card to somebody. Invite somebody, a friend or a family member. I promise if you bring them, I won't embarrass you. So um, hopefully not. I won't embarrass you. Uh, and I'm going to preach a really good message about what Jesus did on the cross and the resurrection. So we're going to talk about that next week, which is Easter Sunday, but this week is called Palm Sunday. We're going to talk a little bit about that, the, the meaning of Palm Sunday. And so Matthew 21 and verse 1, celebrating Palm Sunday today, says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it would might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, and the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set them on them. A very great multitude spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down branches from the trees, that's where we get Palm Sunday from, and spread them on the road. Then the multitude who went before, and those falling cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. So today, if you're taking notes, uh, the title of my message is Fans and Followers. Fans and Followers. And today I want to talk about Palm Sunday and really my um, meaning of what it means to me with studying these verses this week. And, and the story of Palm Sunday is actually in all four Gospels. A little bit different details in each Gospel because it's written by four different people. They saw different things. They noted different areas uh, of the Palm Sunday story. But 
my reading is from Matthew, Matthew 21, and we just read it. We're going to go through it in a second. But in Matthew 21, it's a story of Palm Sunday. So Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, which at the time of Palm Sunday, which is right before Passover, that's a really big major key you need to remember right before Passover, because next week, the, the week of Jesus' death is the week of Passover. That's significant. Jesus died at a specific time for a specific purpose on a specific feast because he is the true Passover lamb. And so he, he died on Passover, but this is Palm Sunday. But it said at the time of Palm Sunday, there would probably be about 2 million people in or around Jerusalem. Because they came home to celebrate the Passover. That's a lot of people in Jerusalem. Two million people. Even by today's standards, two million people is a lot of people in one city or area. So there would be about two million people. And this is what happens in the story. We see that Jesus is about to come into Jerusalem. And up to this point, he's not wanted people to talk about him being the Messiah because it was not the right time. It was not the right time for him to be coming into Jerusalem and that this many people would know that he was the Messiah. But he was doing this on purpose because it was a time to reveal he was the Son of God because he knew when that happened, then he would be betrayed, then he would be crucified, then he would go to the grave and he would raise from the dead. Are you with me so far? So let's read for a second the first little part in Matthew 21 in verse 1. It says, now when they drew near to Jerusalem, this is his disciples who came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. In verse three, if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them. Now, just fun note. When I've always read this, I wondered if we could do this as believers. You know what I'm saying? I've always thought this when I've stayed at a nice hotel. There's several times I've stayed at a really, really nice hotel, like a Ritz-Carlton or a St. Regis. There's been a few times, and you know the valet people. And, of course, I'm valeting my Ford truck because I'm an American, <laughs> right? And I'm from the Midwest, and I, and I like my truck. I, I actually don't want a sports car. I like my F-150. I drive a truck because I'm a man, <laughs> and I'm an American, and this is the third truck I've had, and all my trucks have been F-150s. I'm, I'm for Ford. And they're right, Brother Ronnie. I'm for Ford. I'm Ford tough. I, I'm for Ford. But I've always thought when you're going to a nice hotel like that, if you could actually pull that, and that would work. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could go to the valet, and you see all these, like, Lamborghinis and, and Mercedes pulling in there and, and Bentleys pulling up. And just like this, they, this was the garage of their day. And they pulled up, and they asked for the colt and the donkey, and they said, the Lord has need of them. And no one asked them a question. They said, okay, you can go ahead and have it. I just want to try it. I'm not saying you should try it. You'll probably get arrested. But at one of these nice hotels, just grab the Lamborghini keys, and they said, what are you doing? The Lord has need of them. The Lord has need of them. This is not your Bentley. The Lord has need of them. I'm saying I wanted to try it. I haven't tried it yet. And I'm not telling you to try it unless you know the Holy Ghost told you to do that. But it will be fun to try it and see if it worked. The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. And so it worked. And this is what happened in verse 4. 
And this was all done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt and a foal of a donkey. Now this is significant because Matthew is written to Jewish believers. So they would know the old Testament more than other people. And Matthew's gospel is specifically meant to tell the Jewish people that this is really the Son of God. This is really the Messiah. And he quotes this passage because in the Old Testament, in Zechariah 9.9, it quotes this. And Zechariah prophesied this hundreds of years before Jesus showed up that the Messiah or the King would come to Jerusalem and he would be riding on a donkey So this is prophetic. This is not just accidental that Jesus happened to ride through Jerusalem on a donkey in this cult. This is prophetic. Now, this is one of hundreds, hundreds of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled exactly the way that the Old Testament said it. But this is one specific one, and he's quoting it here out of Zechariah 9.9, that the king would come and he would be lowly or humble, sitting on a donkey, a colt, in the foal of a donkey. And that's exactly what Jesus did to fulfill prophecy. One of hundreds of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled perfectly from the Old Testament. I got to teach you before I preach to you. We're getting there. Verse 6. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them and set them on them. A very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Now, right here, what they did here was traditional for somebody who was in royalty, for a king or for a military leader. And it says the disciples, once they got the donkey, they got the colt, they put um, their own clothes on top of that donkey so he could have a place to sit but then as they were coming into Jerusalem which there was millions of people once again in Jerusalem that they started to throw down their clothes and they would put palm branches off these trees and some of these things would they would be holding them and they would be waving them like a fan would do at, at, a, at a pep rally and they would be worshiping and they said out of the book of Psalms, Hosanna to God in the highest. And they were, they were quoting, uh, once again, a prophetic scripture from Psalms about the Messiah, about the king saying that this is the king, this is the Messiah, this is the son of God to come. So this all lines up with prophecy from the Old Testament. So when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, he was riding on a donkey and they were throwing clothes and palm branches down and they were singing praise and worship to Jesus. And and a lot of people say that this was the same thing that kings would do, but also military leaders after they had a, a dramatic victory in war. They would come into the town on a donkey or a horse and they would be praised and they would be shouted out and and there would be palm branches and there would be clothes on the ground and people would worship those kings or military leaders. And this is what Jesus was doing. He was coming into Jerusalem saying that he was the Messiah, the son of God. It's very important that we know this because this happened a week before he was crucified. A week. 
One week, Jesus is being, you know, loved and he was being respected and he was being honored and he was being praised as the Messiah, the King, the Son of God. And the next week, very next week, they're saying, let's crucify him within a week. Now, there's a lot of significance in this story today, and that's where we're going this morning, talking about the significance of Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday was great. It, it was celebrated that it was significant, that it was Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem as the Son of God. But the very next week, he was crucified. The very next week. But what this proved more than anything is that these people that were in Jerusalem at the time that Jesus was coming through here were not followers of Jesus. They were fans of Jesus. Jesus is looking not for fans, but followers. Jesus is looking for wholly committed followers of him. Not just fans, but followers. Now we need to understand this because this has everything to do with the day we live in today. That what is going on in America, what is going on in the Western world, which is becoming more and more post-Christian. Well, this is what Tim Keller says about this. Because many people are saying, well, there's not faith in this country anymore and people don't really follow Jesus anymore. That's actually not true. This is what he says. And this is a man who studies uh, what's happening in the culture and church history. He says both secularism... And devout faith are growing. What's going away is the mushy middle of everyday religiosity. So what's the truth here? There is more secularism growing in this country and the Western world. And there's, that is true that there's more people that, that don't have faith than ever before. But also it's growing as well. There's more devout followers and people of faith. The reason we feel it, especially in this country, is the middle is going away. The cultural Christianity we have in America is growing away. The cultural Christianity we have in the Midwest is going away. This token Christianity and following Jesus is going away. So, so actually, no, not, it's not that people are necessarily losing faith. It's that People are being more devout that are devout, and people are being more secular than are secular, and the people in the middle, which is the majority, are going away. Why? Because they're fans of Jesus. They're fans of the church. They're fans of the Bible, but they're not real followers of Jesus. The majority is in the middle. Now, why am I preaching this today? Because I don't want any of us to be in the middle of this. It's becoming more and more evident that we have to make a choice. Either we're a fan of Jesus or we're a follower of Jesus because times are getting tight and hard and challenging. And we're going to have to decide either we're going to get more secular and just forget God or we're going to get more committed and more devout and more faithful and following Jesus better. But the middle ground is going away completely. And that's why so many people in this country are freaking out right now because they're like, our country is changing. Yeah, it is because the middle ground is gone. The people that have been just serving Jesus because it was trendy is gone. 
The people that just do it because their family goes to church is gone. The people that just believe what they've been believed because they live in the Midwest is gone. The middle ground is gone. What, but what is growing is secularism and devout followers or faithful people. Are you with me so far? You need to know this today. And this has everything to do with Palm Sunday because this is what the, the crowd did. The majority did. One week they cheered him. The next week they jeered him. One week they said, you're awesome. And they crowned him as king. And the next week they said, crucify him. Does that not sound like the culture we live in today? Fans, not followers of Jesus. But that's what's happening in this country and in the Western world. And I'm speaking specifically to that because that's where we live. That this middle ground is leaving. And that's why it feels uncomfortable. That's why there's so many people freaking out about elections. Why are you freaking out so much? You're just afraid because the middle ground's gone. People are having to make a choice. Whether we're going to get more secular or more anti-God. Or we're going to be more faithful and devout in our faith. I'm going the follower route. I'm going the faithful route. I don't know about you. I don't want to be like the people on Palm Sunday that one week they, they say crown him. And the next week they say crucify him. That's a fan of Jesus, not a follower. But this is what we have, in, in, especially in America, because America was founded on Christian values and as a Christian nation. It was. Now, we haven't always lived up to those, but we started there. But this is what it has turned into. We, especially as Americans, we still want the life of Jesus, but we don't want to live the lifestyle of Jesus. We want the kingdom of heaven on earth, the American dream, baby, kingdom of heaven, but we don't want the king. And it doesn't work like that. That's why we see a disconnect in America right now, because we want all the benefits of what Christian faith does, but we don't want to be Christian. We want the life that Jesus promises, but we don't want to live the lifestyle it takes to get there. We want the kingdom of God without the king. Because we're fans, we're not followers of Jesus. But we need to understand this, and sometimes we don't preach about this enough, but just as much as Jesus being love and forgiveness and telling us to love one another and welcoming the poor and the broken and the outcast and the sinner, there was also a lot of stuff in the Gospels that people overlooked that Jesus actually called people to follow him. And to make big commitments that would cost something. Now, I want to read a passage to you real quick and we're going to talk about it because we're still talking today about fans and followers. Matthew 16 and verse 24, Jesus speaking. He said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Amen. Jesus, to his disciples, his innermost group, talked about following him. And a lot of times, especially in America, 
We preach such a sanitized Jesus. A Jesus with no commitments. With no cost. With no life. We just preach a Jesus that says, I love you and I forgive you. Which he does. But we never talk about the Jesus that called you to come to him and follow him. We never talk about the Jesus that says, take up your cross and follow me. We never talk about the Jesus that says, deny yourself. We never talk about the Jesus that says, you're going to have to lose some stuff for my sake in the Gospels if you want to follow me. We never talk about the Jesus that talks about being a disciple. We never talk about the Jesus that says, it will cost you everything to follow me. We don't talk about that enough. But Jesus talked about that. And he didn't do it for selfish reasons, but he knows following him is the place of ultimate peace, of ultimate joy, of ultimate fulfillment, of ultimate life in this life and forevermore. Following Jesus is the life that we're meant to live because he knows better than the way that we know how to live. And if we follow him, we will come into the life he's created us to have. Are you with me so far? But Jesus talked about to follow him, it's going to cost us something. This is what a lot of churches say, especially in our country. It's kind of like you keep living the way you want. Keep on doing the same thing with your money, your relationships, your sexuality, your hobbies, your priorities, your future, and then just add Jesus to it. That's what most churches really say. That's not what Jesus said. At all. He said, you come to him and you follow him. And if you got to give up everything else to follow him, you do it. And if he tells you to get something out of your life, you do it. And if he tells you to deny yourself, you do it. And if he tells you to give something up for his sake to follow him, you do it. That's what a true follower does. And when we teach that to people, no wonder they're just fans of Jesus. They're not followers. Because we've taught them that from our pulpits. But there is a cost to following Jesus. Now, it's worth the cost. Absolutely. But there's still a cost. These verses that we see here in Matthew 16, it says that Jesus says... That if you want to come after me, follow after me, you will have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And if you don't lose your life for my sake, you will never have it again. But if you give it up for me, you will save it. Now, now let's think about this because Jesus many times in the gospel pointed to his followers and would say, if you can't give up that money, you can't follow me. Now, he didn't say that to everybody, but he said it to the people that had an issue with money. <laughs> Did we talk about that enough in church? There was times he told them, you're going to have to separate from your family. <gasps> in the Midwest, you would say that? Yes. Now, Jesus didn't say that to everybody, but he said it to the people that had an issue with their family. Because their family was holding them back from following Jesus. He said, you got to be able to give them up if that's what it takes to follow me. 
Jesus sometimes would say, give up a relationship, give up a career, give up a tradition. If it's keeping you from following me. Hear me this morning, I love you, but are you willing to do that? Because if you're not willing to do that, you're just a fan of Jesus. You're not a follower. And you're no different than the people that were at Palm Sunday. Praising Jesus, putting, putting your clothes down, putting the palms down, saying that, you know, we crown you as king and as Lord. And then the next week, you change your mind because you're a fan. And you say, let's crucify him. I don't know. If we're not willing to give up all for Jesus, we're not really following him. Now, now hear me this morning. Jesus is not, for the most part, he's not going to ask you to give up everything in your life. He's not. But he's usually going to ask you about the issue in your life that's hindering you from following him. And just knowing in your heart that you're willing to give up everything to follow him. That's what a true follower is. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church, but I will keep going. Think about this. Everyone has things in their life that holds them back from fully following Jesus. Now, I want to talk about a few different types of fans that I wrote down. Now, fans are led by their feelings. But followers are led by their faith. I want to talk about some different types of fans. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this is not to condemn you, not to shame you or judge you, but I'm just saying, see if you find yourself in these people, because maybe you're a fan and you're not a follower of Jesus. The first one is the bandwagon fan. These are true terms in sports. Bandwagon fan says this, if it's popular... Then I like the team. The Golden State Warriors are winning. I'm a Golden State Warriors fan. Tiger Woods is winning. I'm a Tiger Woods fan. Whatever team you like. And then when somebody else starts being popular in culture, they change to the next team because they're a bandwagon fan. They go with what's popular. What's in. Now, a lot of Christians, especially in our country, live this way about their relationship with Jesus. The reason we're coming to this place of decision in our country, like I said, the middle's gone. So being a bandwagon fan and follower of Jesus is not in now. <laughs> Jesus is not cool now. Jesus is not popular now in our country. The church has bad press now, so we, we're getting out of here. The Bible is, is not cool anymore. The Bible is actually a judgmental and sexually repressive and hateful. and It's not the word of God anymore. It's not truth. It's not popular anymore. Now, hear me this morning. A lot of 
Christians are bandwagon fans. And so when our culture is changing, that's why a lot are jumping ship. Because it's not popular anymore to do this. So they're backing away from following Jesus because they're a bandwagon fan. They're only into it when it's popular. When church is popular, then I'm coming. When the Bible's popular, then I'll read it. When when Jesus is popular, then I'll follow him. But if he's not, if he's out of style now, then I don't want anything to do with it. Now, this is a cultural shift in this country, especially because we have not lived in this place before. We've lived in a country that, for the most part, has always honored the Christian faith, the Bible, Jesus. But now, it's went from Jesus was desired, then to about 50 years ago, Jesus started being a little different to follow Jesus. But now, in our culture, in 2022, it's dangerous to follow Jesus. It's dangerous to believe the Bible. That's what people are saying about us. It's dangerous to go to church. It's dangerous to be a part of a church family. It's it's dangerous to really follow Jesus. It used to be desired years ago. Used to be honored. Oh, you, you go to church or you love Jesus? That's great. Nowadays, they look at you strange like you're dangerous for sharing your faith, for believing the Bible, for going to church. Why am I saying this? Because you need to know right now what to believe and what to think about this. Am I going to be a fan or a follower? It's not cool to put Christian in your bio anymore. It's not cool to put Christian in your application anymore. People think differently about it. Now, I'm not saying that to, to bring like doom and gloom here, but I'm saying you need to prepare for this. Because if you're not, you're going to jump ship because it's not popular anymore. Now, the Bible is under attack. The church is under attack. Jesus is under attack. So are we a bandwagon fan of Jesus? Or are we a real, real follower? Well, right now, we're, we're seeing the difference. And we have been for the past several years. Are we doing this just because it's popular or because people think good about it? Are we doing this because we really are going to follow Jesus? Whether it's popular or not, whether it's right or not, what are we going to do? Now, let me read this. It's talking about what's happening in our culture today. It says, what was universally condemned is now celebrated. And what was universally celebrated is now condemned. And lastly, and those who refuse to celebrate are condemned. We're living in that culture. Things that were celebrated about 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago are condemned. And now the things that were condemned all those years ago are celebrated. And those of us who don't celebrate are condemned. You don't even have to say anything about it. Just because you go to church and you say you love Jesus and believe the Bible, you're condemned. You're like, I didn't even say anything. Oh, you believe the Bible, so you're against me. I didn't say anything. But that's where our culture is going. So I'm trying to prepare you as your pastor to know what's happening. And if we're just doing this because it's popular or it's cool, those days are gone for Christianity. 
We're just doing it because this is what Americans do, or this is what the Bible Belt does. This is what the Midwest does, and I'm just serving Jesus, coming to church, getting into my Bible. For those reasons, we won't be a true follower of Jesus. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, when the whole world is running towards a cliff, he who is running in the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. I think that sums up all of us who are trying to follow Jesus right now. They're the ones, ones running off the cliff, but yet we're the ones that they're looking at like we're crazy. And if you say you're running off the cliff, then they really condemn you. But that's the world we're living in today, that when the whole world is running towards a cliff, he who's running in the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. So there's the bandwagon fan. I just want to make sure that we're not in that category. We're not bandwagon fans of Jesus. Because if you were there, if you were just doing it because it was in or it was popular, those days are done. Trust me this morning. We need to be true followers of Jesus. Not, Not being hateful with what we say. Not being mean about our beliefs. But following Jesus following the Bible, following his word, getting deeper into community, serving more in our church like never before. And we're doing it not just because it's popular or it's cool, but doing it because we're a true follower of Jesus. Now here's another one. Here's another fan. Here's the casual fan. The casual fan. The casual fan is just apathetic. Nothing moves them. Now, in my sports watching, I'm there. You know why? Because I've been hurt by too many teams. I become the casual fan. I have no competitiveness in me whatsoever when it comes to sports. I don't. It it ran out of me years ago because I had too many teams I loved, and they let me down. And I lost my temper too many times at summer camp and team competitions. So I had to say, I got to get all this competitiveness out of me. And so I'm not. I'm not competitive about anything anymore. I'm not. And so when I watch sports, I'm a casual fan. I'm not moved by whoever wins. I don't have anything invested in it because I'm not really following. I'm just a casual fan. I'm really apathetic about most sports nowadays. But there's a lot of believers that are like that. They love Jesus. They even come to church, but nothing moves them at all. They're apathetic about their faith. They can come to church and the worship, I don't care how anointed it is. I don't care how you know, hard the music is playing and the people are singing and God's presence is here. They're still going to act like, You're a casual fan, then nothing moves you anymore. Or they can hear the word of God and they can listen to me without saying anything back. Like you're doing this morning. I had to throw that in there. And because the word doesn't move you anymore. You're a casual fan. You become apathetic in your faith. You could, you could pray 
And, and you don't feel anything. You don't sense anything. You, you have no passion for being a part of God's house or community or anything else. You're a casual fan. And there's a lot of believers that are like that. They're, they're still trying to hang in here, but they're, they've lost all their passion for the things of God. Nothing moves them at all. If you're in that place, you're in a dangerous place. I'd actually rather you feel more like anti-God than nothing at all. Come on, Jesus said, be hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm. I mean, get in or get out, but don't be on the fence. That's painful. Come on now, somebody. Anybody jumped over a fence and didn't make it all the way over? It's a painful place to be. And usually those people's face looks like that. It shows that. I'm sitting in the middle of this fence. Yes, you are. And you look like it during service. But there's casual fans. I don't want to be a bandwagon fan just doing it because Jesus is popular or church is popular or the Bible is popular. I want to be a real follower. No matter if he's popular or not. But I don't want to be a casual fan either. I want to just be like, I love Jesus. But nothing moves you. Now, hear me this morning. Some of you in this church are still like that. I don't care how hard I preach, you're not going to move. And I try to preach pretty hard. No matter how anointed the worship, no, how, no matter how many times I say, life groups are for you. And I literally stare people in the eyes that I'm talking to. I'm looking at Philip, but he's in life group. And I'm like, you need life group. Especially those who don't think they need life group. You need life group. And you guys know who I'm talking about because you're the person. And then they still don't sign up for life group. You're a casual fan. Because I'm not just saying that to say that. I'm saying that because the word says that. And if you won't move based off the word, you're a casual fan. Why doesn't that move you? I'm not just saying that as your pastor. I'm saying that because God's word says you need community. God's word says you need to do life together. God's word says you need other people. And when you isolate yourself, you're not wise. And you seek your own desires. Now, that could be the same everywhere. I know I've preached about serving, and I know it's the same people every time. I could preach it. And have the best message ever. And they're still not going to sign up no matter what I say. Why? I'm not just saying it to say it. I'm saying it because the word says it. And if the word doesn't move you, you're a fan. You're not a follower. I could preach message after message after message about giving. But some of the same people still don't give. It's not about what I say. I'm saying it because the word says it. If that doesn't move you, you're a fan and you're not a follower of Jesus. I don't want to be a casual fan. I'm not saying you got to be as emotional as me, as passionate as me. I need help. But I'd rather be like me than just be stiff-necked, hard-headed, cold you can't shed a tear you can't laugh you look like a stinking robot do something for god's sakes show that you have some life in you 
God doesn't appreciate it, and neither does your husband or wife. Or your friends, or your kids, or anyone in your life. Show some emotion. Show that God's word still moves you. Worship still moves you. Prayer still moves you. The preaching of God's word still moves you. That you're not just a fan of Jesus, you're actually a real follower. And real followers feel something. And they're moved to do something about it. I don't want to be a bandwagon fan, but I don't want to be a casual fan either. Jesus said, if we're going to follow him, which is the best life, which is the most fulfilling life, which is the life we want, we're going to have to take up our cross, deny ourselves. It will cost us everything, but the cost is worth it. Not just sitting apathetic in another church service, sitting during the worship like this, sitting during the prayer time like this. You're a fan. You're not a follower of Jesus. And Jesus loves you, but you're never going to get the life that he wants you to have being casual. You're not. You're not. Now, it's interesting to me, since we're on the subject of sports, That the same people, <laughs> you guys know where I'm going before I'm going, that act like I don't feel anything at church, or that's just not my personality. Let's put on IU basketball. You're real responsive. Oh my gosh. You, you are shouting at the TV. But in church, you're like, something's wrong. <laughs> if you're singing in other tongues, when your team is winning and the football game's on, and you don't say anything at church, something's wrong. If you can read the Golf Digest magazine, but you can't get it in your Bible, something's wrong. Because it's always the same people that I know act differently outside of church. It's like, my, my personality is just not like that. That's why I'm not responsive, Pastor. No! It's good. You are passionate in following something else and not him. Now, if that doesn't hit home, let's just take Black Friday sales. For some of you ladies, for a Michael Kors purse, you'll be taking laps around the outlet mall, singing in other tongues. And prophesying. But in church, you're stiff-necked, hard-headed, and nothing moves me, Pastor. It's not true. There's something that moves all of us in here. What we really love, what we're really passionate about, and who we're really following is what moves us. Are you here today? So there's a bandwagon fan, and there's the casual fan, but then there's the fair weather fan. And I'm going to close with this. Steve, could you come up here? I need the anointing on my life. <laughs> the fair weather friend, fan. 
when it, the term of fair weather fan is used, it means if everything's going right and your t- team is winning and performing well, then you're a fan. But then if they start losing, you're no longer a fan. Now, let's think about this. There's a bandwagon fan, there's a casual fan, and then there's a fair weather fan. I would say this pertaining to following Jesus, we become a fair weather fan of Jesus when if we don't feel like everything's going right in our life, then we stop following him. If we don't get everything we want from Jesus, then we stop following him. What if we believe in prosperity and lose our job? Then we start stop following him. What if the relationship strained and God said we should have good relationships, then I stop following him. What if I believe in healing and then there's a serious illness, then I stop following him. And there's a lot of people that are fair weather fans of Jesus. If, if I'm healthy, wealthy, and everything's going right, then I'm following. But then if I'm not getting everything I want, I'm out. I don't love Jesus anymore. I don't love church anymore. Because it was all a lie. Jesus never said that there wouldn't be trials and tribulations in this earth. He said there would be. They come to the righteous and the unrighteous. They come to all of us. He said there will be times that the storms of life beat on our house. But if we're built on the rock, we will stand and we will last. But Jesus never said just because you're a person of faith, you won't go through anything. And I'm sorry because some people that teach faith act like that. Like if, you, if you're just a faith person, you'll never get sick again. You'll never get a bad report again. There will be no relationship issues. It will just be uh, rainbow sprinkles and butterfly kittens the rest of your life. It's not true. You're living a fairy tale. What Jesus said was, if you're a person of faith, is though those things come to you, which they will, because you're in this world and you have an enemy, you can overcome them. And that with him, he can give you the strength, he can give you the peace, he can give you the joy, he can give you the victory to get on the other side of it. But he never said there wouldn't be challenges and tribulations and hardships. And if you think that, you will jump ship every anytime something doesn't go your way. It's a fair weather fan of Jesus. Many people have left churches, not just this church, but many churches, because they feel like Jesus didn't answer their prayer. Jesus didn't change the situation. Jesus didn't do this. Jesus didn't do that. And they stopped following because everything didn't go the way they wanted. Because they felt like Jesus wasn't winning anymore or performing well anymore. Think about this. This is the same thing that these disciples did on the week after Palm Sunday. One week, they're for him. The next week when it's getting hard and it's not easy to serve Jesus, you see the disciples leaving Jesus one after another after another because it doesn't look like they're winning now. It's what a lot of believers do. Knowing 
that what Jesus was going through, there was victory on the other side of it if they just would have stayed with him. But they jumped ship because they were a fair weather fan of Jesus. I want to read a passage to you about this. It's in John 6 and verse 56. You guys still with me today? John 6, if we have it, verse 56. This is Jesus. It says, anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because the Father who sent me in the same way anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. And I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate their manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Notice verse 60. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Now, let's stop there before I go further. Now, understand the context of this. We have this in light of what we know in the New Testament. But Jesus, in front of all these people and all his disciples, said, I want you to eat my flesh and drink my blood. So don't think for a second that these disciples were not legitimate for saying, I think this is time to leave, guys. Okay. If I got up on Sunday and I said, hey, we're going to have a sacrifice today, guys, and it's going to be me. And at the end of service, we're going to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Everybody would run out of this place for good reason. Because they would say, this guy is crazy. We have joined a cult without knowing. But Jesus was speaking of the spiritual, not the physical. But the disciples said, Jesus, I was with you up to now, but this is a hard saying. And difficult to understand. And notice his response here. 61, if we have it. Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining and said to them, Does this offend you? Then what would you think when the Son of Man ascends to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit in life. No, it's not. A, he's saying it's not about the natural. I wasn't talking about physically eating my flesh and drinking my blood. These are spiritual things. But some of you do not believe for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones did not believe and who would betray him. Then he said, this is why I said that people can't come to me unless the father gives them to me. At this point, because they're Fairweather fans. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? A good old Peter, loudmouth Peter, always speaks up in the time of need. But notice what he says. He's right. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words to give eternal life. We believe and we know you're the Holy One of God. Think about this, church family. These disciples legitimately were having to decide, 
Do I keep following Jesus just because everything's going right? He just said something really hard and challenging. What am I going to do with that? And some of the disciples decided, I'm no longer going to follow him. And I think a lot of times Jesus in the Gospels would say certain challenging things just to see the response of who was really with him and who wasn't. Because they were Fairweather fans. And Jesus said, the words I speak, they're not about you eating and drinking my body physically. This is spiritual. But still some of them walked away. But I love good old Peter. He thought this one through. Which a lot of people who leave Jesus and our fans don't think it through. To whom shall we go? Where are we going to go? Like Peter was replaying in his mind right here. How am I going to go back to fishing when I've seen blind eyes open? And deaf people here. And I've seen people raised from the dead. And I've seen Jesus deliver people from demon possession and I've walked with the master how am I going to go back to fishing where am I going to go from here when when people bail out on Jesus and are Fairweather fans they're not thinking where am I going to go after this because there is nowhere to go and Peter said, to whom shall we go? Only you, Jesus, are the way. Only you, Jesus, are the life. Only you, Jesus, are the ones that have the words of eternal life. You are the Holy One or the Son of God. Only Jesus is. And he said, where am I going to go? Jesus, I know what you said is hard and challenging, but I'm not going anywhere because I'm going to follow you. And we have to make that decision ourselves. Even when times are tough, even when times are hard, we're going to decide we're going to follow Jesus, whether it looks like we're winning or not, whether it looks like everything's going right or not, because a life with Jesus is so much better than a life without Jesus. To whom shall we go when you're the only one with eternal life? I don't know about you, but I'm want to be a fully committed follower of Jesus. Heart, soul, mind, strength, body, passion, energy, purpose. Because where else am I going to go? Now, hear me this morning. And we're closing. I appreciate you coming today on this Palm Sunday. But talking about Fairweather friends, you know, there's the bandwagon fan, there's the casual fan, but then there's the fair weather fan. So if I don't think everything's going my way, then I'm out. If I'm not winning, then I'm out. If, if there's challenges in your life, then I'm out. And I've seen many people do it. But think about this. To whom shall we go? Now, myself, your pastor, I've done this my whole life. This is all I know is church. All I know is ministry. But even in the past several years, I've had to remind myself, are you hearing me today? When things didn't go right. When people I love died of cancer still when I was praying. Are you here? You guys act like, oh, I've never experienced anything in my life. When people that you love go to heaven. 
when things happen in the natural, when, when friends leave you, when, when loved ones go to heaven, when you believe in healing, when other things happen, you got to make a decision. Am I just a fan of Jesus or I'm a real follower? Because if I'm just doing it, then if everything's just going my way, then I'll follow you. Then I'm not a real follower of him. A real follower, even if they don't understand why something happens, says a life with you, Jesus, is better than a life anywhere else. I don't care who dies or what happens or what relationship comes apart or friends that leave my life. A life with you, Jesus, is worth it. Because who, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? But where are you going to go? I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about Jesus. Where will you go? When he is the only one with the eternal words of life. Think about this anyways. Anything that has happened in your life that has been wrong or has stole from you or killed from you or destroyed your life, it hasn't been from Jesus anyways. So let's not blame him for that in the first place. But I know what you're saying because I'm even there many times in my life. Well, yeah, it's not from you, but Jesus, you could have stopped it. You could have prevented it. But we don't know everything and why things happen. But I know one thing. I'm sticking with him. I'm following him. I'm not a fair weather fan of Jesus. I'm not a bandwagon fan of Jesus. I'm not a casual fan of Jesus. I'm going to follow him whether it's popular or not. Whether I feel something or not. I'm going to follow him. When times are good and times are bad, I'm going to follow him when the person I just prayed for dies or when they live. I'm going to follow him whether I'm in prosperity or poverty. I'm going to follow him because he is good and he has the words of eternal life. Because you got to ask yourself, to whom shall I go? Where am I going to go from here? There is nowhere else. There is no other way but the way of following Jesus. Did you guys get something today? Could you stand up this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.